Welcome to Azure Ability, a podcast for everyone interested in the art and science of developing solutions for the Microsoft Azure platform. Each show brings insight from the folks who know Azure best, including the cloud solution architects who help Microsoft's leading clients devise the most innovative and interesting solutions on the planet, as well as the engineers and program managers who build Azure itself. Listen in and you'll be sure to speed your journey into the cloud. And now your host, Lewis Berman. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Azure Ability Podcast. I'm happy to be joined today by uh, my friend Rich Ross, who I keep trying to get on podcast. This is this is something like your third, right? You know, two failed because I screwed up recording, right? We, we yeah, we have a couple that were great sessions in the can, and yeah, that's where they. He are. was so clever then, but it's all going to go downhill from now. I exactly. Think. So, and then we're here with Tech Bash co-founder uh, Andy Schwamm, and Andy, I've known for years and years and years in the user group world. He has taught me all sorts of things. Like, for instance, the very first person who ever talked to me about Link. Do you know this? You're literally the first person who ever talked to me about Link. Say hi. Wow. Hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's and, interesting. And I think in this building, it must have been in this building, you were wow. you were giving a presentation. You know, all of us have been around the, the various communities in Azure for a long, long, long time. And, you know, the whole idea is uh, we've talked about lots of things. In my case, with very little knowledge, but I swear these guys are smart. And, you know, and we've given presentations ad nauseum. Rich is a technical architect at the Microsoft Technology Center. I'm nodding my head because yes. it's hard to say the entire <laughs> word. We only we only say MTC, but every time I say MTC, like to my wife, it's like, what's the what MTC? That, right? So why don't you tell me something about you, Rich? And then we'll talk about Andy. Andy's the really only important person here, but, uh, but I I'm going to pretend we care about you. <laughs> Yeah, so Andy, Andy is definitely an important person here. So about the role that we have here, yeah, I'm sorry. What, what the hell, what the hell what do, we do you do? Yeah, so I actually, the reason Andy is here is we've spent today talking about some important things in Azure, and that's kind of what I do every day with customers. So I talk to them about what they want to do in Azure, how we can help them get there, and help pave the way as quickly as we can for them. That's excellent. So... Of course, we have our special guest, Andy. Andy, again, is a co-founder of TechBash for... What the hell is TechBash? TechBash is an awesome developer conference. Wow. We, it's awesome. So you're saying it doesn't suck. That's what you're, you're saying. Well, I'm saying that. <laughs> uh, and I don't think it does suck, but no, I'm, I'm saying not. it doesn't suck. Everyone says it doesn't suck. Yeah. Well, well, hopefully we'll have you out this year. Yeah. Some friends and I were talking actually right here in this building several years ago about how we wanted to have a conference in our area because we Which didn't is want near Philadelphia or in yeah, your right. case Thank is you. in the Poconos. Well, the conference the, is the in conference the Poconos, Poconos, but we didn't set out to have it in the Poconos. We said, how do we have a conference around here? Because we don't want to get on a plane every time we want to go to a conference. Right. And so finally we figured out that they were opening up a Kalahari resort in the area here. And there's some connection to the Kalahari because of some really large conferences like Code Mash and that conference. Did you say Code Mash with an M? Yes, Code Mash. So, so you are Code Bash, no, right? Tech you know, bash. I, I, tech, tech Bash. Tech Bash. Yes. Code Don't mash. mind me. I'm very confused. It's, it's all right. It was Mash versus Bash. It's very yeah. confusing to the likes of me. <laughs> well, so we decided to we started this conference because we wanted to have a conference to go to. And now the interesting thing is we realized we weren't smart enough to know this in the beginning. We planned this conference and it was really great the first year. But what we realized is wait, we don't get to really go to the conference because we're working at the conference, right? And so the whole premise was so that we could enjoy the content ourselves. And we found out, oh, no, we kind of work at the conference. So maybe it was just 
you know, dumb of us all together. But <laughs> here we are three that, years later, we're still doing it. That's okay. It's, it's becoming a Philadelphia or nearby Philadelphia institution or stuff. So the reason Andy is here is actually because of yet another event. And I invited Rich to sort of help me kibitz around this. I don't remember what it was. Was it maybe a Philly.net? You were filming, right? Uh, Rich, I'm pointing at Rich. I should always say things instead of do things with my hands. Because this is radio, not... No. It is radio <laughs> instead of... Uh, yes. No, you were... I think it was a Philly.net. You were filming and Andy was talking about... Right before the last tech bash, you were talking about creating a bot, a conversational bot. Yeah. And I was just blown away by it. We'll explain what the hell that means. And I've told this story to everyone and his brother usually started, you know, this stuff turns out to be a lot easier because I know, you know, I'm saying under my breath that idiot, Andy. No, but I'm, <laughs> o- I'm only kidding. I, I, I probably say it loud. But uh, Have you been talking to my wife? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I've not been talking to your wife. No, but, but seriously, I was incredibly impressed. I've retailed the story at least a dozen times to customers and probably as many times to other people. But what the hell was it? You gave this presentation. What was it? Yeah. First of all, I'm flattered that you talked about this and that you enjoyed it. I'll take you down a peg. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> It's so in the plans. I, I'm guessing, you know, over the summer I did do a talk and then I, en- I ended up repeating it at New York Code Camp, which was about building a bot with C Sharp and the bot framework and the bot builder and all that kind of stuff and showing how you get started with it and showing what bots are good at doing. And, and really, we also talk about the complexities of what, yeah. where you're going to get into trouble building bots. And, and you're not an AI expert, right? I mean, this is this is something you're familiar with, but you're not like a guy. He's giving me a look. Am oh, I, I'm, did an I just... I'm an expert. I'm an expert. I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so you know I'm an expert. But I uh, no, I, I had the good fortune of spending you know, close to a year at work thinking about AI and and machine learning and bots and things like that. But I am not an expert at that, but I did dabble in like a lot of that year. When you saw that presentation, I had, I had been able to play around with a lot of those things for some time, but expert, no. Hi, my name is Gretchen Huebner and I'm a founder of Codable. Did you know the kids who are introduced to programming early on are more likely to pursue it when they get to college? Codable is an introduction to programming used in over half of U.S. elementary schools. I started Codable because when I was in high school, I had the chance to take a programming class, but I didn't take it because I would have been the only girl. I wanted to give kids the chance to decide if programming is something that they're interested in before they get to high school. Help your kids learn to code. Get started at Codable.com. That's Codable with a K for kids. The whole idea of it is you had this conference. I don't know how many tracks you had on the conference and people and people could say, what is happening with Event Grid at TechBash, right? And someone could find out if there was a session. Did I have that correct? Uh, yeah. So the bot was the TechBash bot. The whole demo was about building a bot for the TechBash website that in theory you could use to register for the event or you could get information about the event, right? You could ask it, what topics will I see at TechBash or what sessions are there on Azure? You're exactly right. You remember it well, right? What sessions are there on Azure? Or you could even ask it, is Rich Ross presenting any sessions on Azure at TechBash, right? And yep. Uh, and were you? No. <laughs> Not that year. Uh, <laughs> maybe this year. We'll see. I, sessions are open for, for this year. So they we'll, are. Yeah. Submit. I submitted a session. Oh, cool. But, uh, yeah, I f- now forget. It was on Azure. DevOps. I DevOps, think it was DevOps, DevOps, right? You know, because I, I really, it, if I lean over to the left, it leaks out of my ear. But 
I'm under the impression you you probably taped this, right? Is it available? Yeah. So the session that Andy did last August, we basically live streamed. It's up on uh, the YouTube channel for philly.net. So if you spell youtube.com slash philly, D-O-T-N-E-T, all spelled out. Andy's session is up on there, as are all the ones that we've done for the last year and a half at this point. Yeah, wow. if I'm not mistaken, that was a two-part. I followed someone who was remote. Right. And so, I don't know if you ever split those off, but I guess I feel like saying, and I'm not making a shot at Rich here, but I think there were audio problems with the first person. Okay. So, if you watch it, hang through that or fast forward. Oh, because yeah. It gets, it gets like it gets it's better. got fixed. I think there was some Skype problems or yeah. something with the. And yeah. that was the first time doing a Skype yeah, session. which like was a really cool so, idea. Yeah. And he yeah. was... I'm totally spacing. I should do more work on this, more research, dear reader. I apologize, but I, I forget exactly what the session was, but he was coming from like Argentina or someone, you know, very far, far, far away. In the U.S., yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, I routinely have meetings. In, in my case, uh, with my clients routinely, Vilnius, Lithuania, Shanghai yesterday, you know, New Jersey. It turns out it's not next door. And, you know, all over, you know, America and Europe and stuff like that using Skype or Skype's a bad word now. It's teams. It's we teams, use teams. Yeah. We use teams. We just, well, the Skype's consumer. That's still good. Oh, okay. Yeah. So Skype for business. Fair. <laughs> teams. Good. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You, you wouldn't know I'm employed by Microsoft and I try to suck up and do all those, those sort of things. So, you know, tell us a little bit more about yourself, Andy. You're like an MVP. I mean, how long have you been an MVP and what is the V in the MV? P. Uh, <laughs> Why is that important? That's a good question. I have been an MVP, I think it's nine years now, going on 10. We're hoping, I'm crossing my fingers because we're all up for renewal and in, in, I'll get notified in July. So I'm, I'm hoping uh-huh. to extend it for one more time. A lot of people are often confused about what the MVP program is. It's an award. Okay. It is not something that you have to get certified for. A lot of people oh. think, oh, you took a test and you're an MVP. No. And a lot of times people think it means you're an expert on the topic. And I would tend to say there's some, it would be nice to, th- to know, think that all the MVPs have a certain degree of knowledge, right? But right. there's not a, a correlation. It's not a test. And so really what MVPs are good at is spreading the n- things that they've learned already. And so you could be a genius. There's people that are way smarter than me on all the topics I've spoken about and we'll talk about today, but they might be keeping that information to themselves right? I'm pretty good at some of this stuff and I like to talk about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's generally where you get the MVP from and and someone would have to nominate you. And I was fortunate enough to be nominated. Ah, it's bringing me back to the days. (laughs) I have a cute little mixer board that has all these fun sort of noises. Keeps us all guessing. He must have just gotten this today because he's... No, 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 no. I've had it for about a month and a half, but it doesn't get old. Do you have fart sounds in here? Uh, I could load for it. So yeah, that's I mean, a great idea. You got to have one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I could supply personally. Yeah. But so your MVP program that you're a member of, you know, what it's very important for the community, obviously, to, to be out there and in front and doing the presentations and the things that you do. Are there, I mean, Tech Bash is also really important from that perspective, right? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things that are important. I mean, it's important for the community. Mm-hmm. I'm a big, I'm passionate about the community. Rich and I have spoke about this, and and that's why I'm really excited to help out with the Philly. Uh, what do you call it? Tech Talk. Uh, uh, yeah, the Philly, uh, Philly Tech Talk is Philly the name we're kind of rallying around name, right yeah. now. Yeah, which is cool. Which is a show that he's running, and and him with, and Chris Gomez, and I'm happy to be a part of that. I like to do anything that's part of the community. I owe a lot of my career to the community, yeah. to things that I learned from people because I walked in the room and sat down and learned things. And, you know, 
uh, I was just amazed by it. And so when I finally got to a point where I thought like, all right, I, I think I'm getting a hang of this. And I asked Bill Wolf, the Philly.net community, which is, you know, what I'm, I'm always a big fan of. And he said, sure, you could do a presentation on something. I don't think Link was the first one, but it was one of the <laughs> early ones I did. I think, I don't know what, what the first talk I ever did was. And then you learn so much from actually yeah. presenting that you don't realize that like, it's such a, it's a circle that, you yeah. know, you, you learn and then you share and you learn and you share. And so anything I can do, I, I love doing this kind of stuff. So we, we do tech bash. And so I guess that's Microsoft's thank you mm-hmm. for people that, that do all that, because it's kind of important for, for Microsoft. It's important for the community. It's important for everybody. Right. And so that's sort of where I think the MVP program okay. comes from, you know. So tech bash, you know, this is an Azure podcast. So I'm thinking there's going to be a fair amount of Azure in TechBash. And it's a little early, right? When are you, like October, November? When is it? Yeah, it's in November this year. It's usually October. This year, it's a little later in November. But yes, Azure is, we, we don't actually have what we call tracks, but we certainly have focus in certain areas. And Azure is a big part of that, as is DevOps, certainly the web and languages and, and things like that. But Azure is, you know, nowadays in particular, I mean, it, it would be, crazy to have a, a conference that wasn't focused on on the cloud and Azure. Also, we do a lot of no, JavaScript. No, wait a second. You said that the wrong way. Let me see if I can correct you. You don't say the cloud and Azure. You say the Azure cloud. I, I don't believe there's any other type of cloud. Oh, I said is, and. Is, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't that right? You know, correct me if I'm wrong, Rich. I mean, I, I well, there's, there's I'm, cloud, I'm making Rich go. crack up because <laughs> our customers, of course, use all the clouds yes. and the many clouds. And, and there are stuff. many products we have that support. Yeah. Across many clouds, even your you know the DevOps yeah. stuff that you talk about. But I'm an on a bash partisan. Just get over it, man. Uh, I, I have the you know <laughs> drunk the Kool Aid and have the tattoo as well. So wow, I don't want to see it. Nope. So <laughs> <laughs> so in your day to day job, what sort of Azure technologies do you use, and what do you like, and what's interesting? I like a lot of the stuff. There's so much going on, and I think maybe that's what I like is I love new. Mm-hmm. Right. It's also new is also a pain in the neck. Sure. Right. Because it's especially in Azure, it's coming out so fast. Right. Talk about drinking from the fire hose. Usually with technology, drink from the fire hose and then you can really learn on that and work with it and stuff like that. And Azure, you're always I feel like I'm always drinking from the fire hose because it's always coming up. So I really like in Azure the serverless stuff. Okay. So we're in, in a process at my day job of taking several, you know, hundred applications from our data center. And moving them to Azure. Great. And that's part of On what .NET we, Core? Or, uh, well, uh, .NET Core is great. It used to be I wasn't necessarily on the .NET Core uh, bandwagon completely. But now that I see that, that's really where the features are going to be. Because yeah. we don't do cross-platform. So it didn't seem like .NET Core was necessary for me. Got Good, it. but not necessary. Now, with the, the way things seem to be going, where the features are only going to be coming out in .NET Core... .NET Core is the way to go, right? So there's all these different ways you can move to Azure, and I'm sure you're familiar with this. We can take lift and shift and take our VMs and just dump them up in Azure. To me, that's not really great. That's not where I want to take advantage of things. So what Thumbs was, up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, I'd like to take all these web apps and move them into app services. I'd like to take our APIs and maybe convert some of them to functions and do all kinds of different things. Today, we're talking about service bus and logic apps and, and functions and all kinds of cool stuff. And so the stuff I like, though, is I really like the serverless stuff. I really like that it's just simple. I can push it. I don't have to worry about the infrastructure. I don't have to worry about maintenance, you know, or patches and things like that. It's just 
boom, it's up there. It's it's fast. It's generally easy to use. It's it's just it's there. It's just good. Yeah. Like, you know, like I, that's my experience with it, and I'm pretty happy with it. And then the next thing I would say is DevOps. I'm all about DevOps. People ask me sometimes, why do you like DevOps? I didn't you start liking DevOps. DevOps was a necessary evil, I thought. And when did when did you start doing DevOps things? It's a good question. Or gotta, just, just you, say the product, maybe. Yeah, we used to oh. have the ALM group, right? I mean, this is going yeah, back right. a while. We helped run the ALM group with TFS. And it was all about yeah. TFS and things like that. Now we use Azure DevOps. And um, you did that with Brian Minisi? Is that it? Minisi? Brian Minisi, yeah. Yes. Right. I think it's Minisi, right? Minisi. Uh, yeah, well, I, that's It great. is now Thanks. official. Yeah. It's been recorded. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, uh, and he's, by the way, part of TechBash. So yeah. we ran that group. And I always thought, like people say, why do you like DevOps? And I would say, well, I don't really like DevOps. I like writing code, mm-hmm. right? And I don't like things that prevent me from writing code. And dealing with failed deployments prevents me from writing code. Sure. Right? Dealing with problems at three o'clock in the morning, you know, make me tired and then I can't write code during right. the day, things like that. So I said, DevOps is the way to solve that problem. Now, at the end of the day, I end up really liking the DevOps. But jokingly, I say, I don't like DevOps. I like writing code. Yeah. And this is what I need to get out of the way so I can keep writing code, right? But it's it's generally pretty easy. The tooling is getting great. And so we're looking at, now we're doing a migration from our on-premise TFS to Azure DevOps. And it's And you're using it using the migration toolkit or are you doing it manual migration or how are you doing it? We, is it called the migration toolkit? We are using, we're using the like the documented migration path. I, yep. Yeah. And I have to say that it is really better than I expected it to be. I wrote my own migration thing years ago. Well, I got some stuff off the internet and I changed it a lot and I, you know. Sure. And it was, it's really hard and this is great. Now it's a little time consuming, but it's, it's going really well. And hopefully in a week or two, we'll be live with that. Hi, my name is Megan Hochstetter, and I am the Elementary Education Program Manager at Code.org. Code.org is a nonprofit dedicated to expanding access to computer science in schools and increasing participation by women and underrepresented minorities. Our vision is that every student in every school has the opportunity to learn computer science, just like biology, chemistry, or algebra. Code.org provides the leading curriculum for K-12 computer science in the largest school districts in the United States. And Code.org also recognizes the annual Hour of Code campaign, which has engaged 10% of all students in the world. Code.org is supported by generous donors, including Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, Google, the Infosys Foundation, and many more. Learn more and join the movement by visiting www.code.org. And are you using Azure DevOps itself or are you using TFS on-prem and Azure DevOps? What are the pe- the actual pieces? Are you using any public things, commercial things? Well, Octopus. Yeah, so or- right now when we're on-premises, we use TFS 2017, actually, if we're being specific. <laughs> and we use that for work items and source code and builds. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we use Octopus Deploy Yep. Which you have just mentioned. We use that for our deployments. And we did that because at the time when we implemented it, honestly, I didn't really think that uh, it was, you know, Microsoft's version was really there yet. It just, it was a work in progress. It was getting good, but it wasn't there yet. And we were happy with Octopus Deploy. As we go to Azure DevOps, what we're doing is we're going to do all of the stuff in Azure DevOps. And so, and then what we'll do is we're going to go to Octopus Deploy 
And then from, uh, sorry, we're going to go from Azure DevOps builds into Octopus Deploy, which is on-premises. And then that will go to our data center. But as we shift our applications from the data center to Azure, then our pipelines will change and we'll go from builds in Azure DevOps or build pipelines into deployment pipelines in Azure DevOps. And that will go right into Azure. And so Octopus Deploy works with it well, but we're going to be phasing that out. Were you using Octopus because... This is what I find. It may not be true for all companies. I find that companies that use Octopus tend to like to template out everything in one or two master templates and go, as opposed to the DevOps feel where literally every app has its own deployment and, and stuff. Do you see things like that, Rich? Or, you I know? haven't had a ton of experience on the Octopus oh, side, okay. other than playing around with it, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know if, where yeah. you guys are. We, I'm not following you, actually, because we use so, different deployments for everything in So uh, I'll give you an example. It is a company that shall not be named. Dun, 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 dun. If I had like Timpanies, I'd be hitting them now. And what they do is they have hundreds of websites. And, you know, as a rule, anytime that you create a dependency between team A and team B and team C, in other words, using a template that's shared, you're, you're not really true DevOps. You're slowing the, the things down. But, you know, I find that a lot of companies, and this is one of the highlights of Octopus, is that you can templatize hundreds of sites through Octopus and through parameters, it's basically one shared template or relatively few shared templates and stuff. So do you find you have shared templates a lot or you tend to have individual? I think we have individuals. Good. Uh, it's, I, I mean, I can't say enough good things, honestly, even though I, I'm leaving Octopus to use uh, yeah. Azure DevOps. It's a great product and it works yeah. really well. And, and if we were staying up with the data center, we'd probably just keep that, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I happen to love DevOps. I'm going to try to give a talk at TechBash if um, yeah. my, my talk is accepted. And I, I'm making a plug. You I don't see, accept you know? the talk. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. He's my probably not the answer, guy who does the My thing. public answer is I don't, I don't choose the sessions. Yeah, I don't. So I know. Now we got to find out who chooses the sessions. Yeah, so, yeah. That's my know. public answer. Yeah, and, and I definitely want to do it because, you know, you know there, I'm sure there's plenty of money and I, I wouldn't have to get my ass up to the Poconos, but... <laughs> Yeah, what fun. It's but, not that fun. <laughs> hey, listen, my, my wife doesn't like to drive to the corner. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> so anyway, I really like Azure DevOps. So what are you finding? Why in the world are you using that as opposed to what you're doing right now? Why? What is compelling about it? Well, the primary reason is that I'm tired of upgrading ah. TFS year after year. Well, I wish I upgraded it year after year, and unfortunately I don't. So I upgrade it every few years, and then it becomes more and more of a problem. Got and we it. don't get the features. I mean, this is a great example. You know, this is the software as a service dream, right? Mm-hmm. I, I get all the features. I don't have to patch. I don't have to worry about upgrading it. I don't have to worry about migrating my things time after time. This is why we're, we're switching to Azure. Dev. I mean, it's just simple as that. We already like TFS. It's the, I don't want to say it's the same product, but it's kind of the same product, right? So yeah. we already like it, but now they're going to make it easier and I don't have to do, I don't have to deal with the problems that go along with the upgrade. So simple. That's simple good. As that. And how are your users feeling about it? Well, so we just announced it uh, oh, the other day. So they don't know so, yet. Well, okay. a few, few people are working on it. We haven't gone live. We have a, we've done a couple of dry runs, mm-hmm. and uh, I think next week we're going to be doing a dry run and then saying everyone play around with this for a okay. week and get a feel for it. Cool. Okay. So let's go back to the conversational bot, which, which started this entire thing on. What were some of the challenges? Why the hell did you do it? What did you learn? And what are you going to do the next time around, if anything? 
Okay, that's a lot of questions. <laughs> you know, it's like you're a reporter and you ask the president three questions because you want to get it out of your mouth before <laughs> right. it's done. So, so do your best. The problems, there's pros and cons to anything, right? The reason you do a bot is because you want to make things easier for your customer, your yeah. user, right? Not your, your user, whoever your user might be. Could be customer, could be employee, right? Right, or exactly. Could be employees, but but your user. You want to make things easier for them. You want to give them a, a bot. I always say there's nothing that... A, you can do in a bot that you couldn't do beforehand from the functionality standpoint. It's that when I used to want to look up a phone number, I would have to open the phone book and flip through the pages. I could do that. Then the internet came along and I could look up a phone number. I could do it on the internet. It was the same thing. The, the, the result was the same, but it was right. easier to do. With a bot, now, but then I would have to type in my information into the web browser or whatever and get the thing. With a bot, I could simply say, Hey bot, what's Rich Ross's phone number? Yeah, you know, and uh, and I will say it now, so everyone in the world has Rich Ross's there phone number. No, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, thank you, Andy. Uh, <laughs> wait a second, what's a phone? Yeah, I, I don't know what a phone is. Microsoft Make Code brings computer science to life with fun projects, immediate results, and both block and text editors for learners at different levels. With MakeCode, students can build a cardboard air guitar, a magic wand, a milk carton robot, or play with MakeCode Arcade, a retro 80s game development platform. Even make it rain chickens in Minecraft. Visit MakeCode.com to get started. So, you know, you want to be able to be where your users are, right? It's kind of all about making things easy. So that's the why. The hard part is getting the bot to respond to questions the bot is not a human. There's no question yep. about it, right? And so the problem is the human mind changes a lot, especially mine when you're like a little ADD or whatever and you're all over the place. So if you're asking a bot, I'd like to register for Tech Bash, and the bot says, sure. And you say, how much are tickets? And they say, well, here's how much the tickets are. It's a couple hundred dollars. Okay, great. I'd like two tickets. And they say, great. Do you have any dietary restrictions? And I go, are there any talks on Azure? And I just, my mind, I just changed, right? Yep. Now, in a web app, if I had that, there would be a text box. And the right. text box would come along and say, do you have any dietary restrictions? And I'd be smart enough to say, I don't think I can ask this a different question, right? I have to provide the input. But the bot is just sort of there. Yep. And so people just change the conversation flow. And that is the big challenge with bots. It's that it, it's kind of like, what? Right? And then it says, I'm sorry, that did not sound like an answer to dietary, you know, whatever. <laughs> and re the question, do, right? Do, does the bot actually say anything? <laughs> <laughs> My bot's never actually were yeah, vocal. You, you, but. you did text bots, right? I did is, do texting, yes. yeah. And, but, and, and just to be clear, cognitive services, and maybe Rich knows, knows this, there's a lot of cognitive services. Like 30 what, cognitive services, kind of where we're sitting right about now. And, and, and they focus, like, what would they be? They focus on things like vision or speech or knowledge. And what's great about that, when you think about the stuff that Andy's doing with bots, is there natural places where you can hook the two of them together. So for example, and appropriately named for this podcast is a Lewis service. Yes. Woohoo! <laughs> Spelled a little differently, right? So this is the well, you L-U- build one for me, right? Yeah, we can do that after. Yeah. So L-U-I-S, so the language understanding yes. intelligence service. And being able to say, uh, to realize that when Andy says that question of, you know, I want tickets for Tech Bash, to understand that his intent is to purchase tickets and goes to that part of the program. So Andy doesn't have to build that all himself into the, into the bot and give it that knowledge. These services provide the leg up to do that. 
And it's so cool the way uh, that works because you provide certain examples. You train the bot. You train right. Lewis in this case. Machine L-U-I-S. learning is really yes. Yes. Just, uh, well. We'd like to train Lewis, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, you have to get that extra missing O. But <laughs> the, the, the way you train it is just like any of the machine learning process, right? You provide examples, and it starts to learn. So I could say, I would like to register. I would like to buy a ticket. I would like to attend, you know, like all these different ways of asking the question and it starts to understand that stuff. And so it's great because you have that Lewis feature. You have these cognitive services that are waiting for us to use, right? Microsoft did the heavy lifting on that, Mm -hmm. right? And they built that part of it and then I need to train it. And, yep. and consume it, and it's awesome. I'm yeah. also under the impression it's pretty cheap, right? Every time I look at this stuff, it's cheap. Is that right? I'm I'm looking at Rich because you know I he, he's my go-to everything <laughs> in Azure. Do you know I'm a cloud solutions architect? And I'm supposed to know things, but you know right. what I do is I look it up. You're talking money. <laughs> this is where we bring the licensing people. Oh, Let's there. They are you know the services they have there. That's there's certainly a couple different models where yeah. you can at least have one that's a free model. You can kick the tires around it. Yeah. Do like a developer kind of instance, and then there's a there's certainly a paid model there as well cool. as you start to move that into production. Well, this has been great. We're going to tool down. So I'm going to ask just one more question of, of each of you. And it's not uh, how fast your puppy races or some stupid Something things so, like yeah. that. <laughs> stupid like that. I, I want to know, I, I'm dogs on the mind. It's uh, my friend, Andre Magni, did an entire podcast episode, basically about his pharaoh hound dogs oh, nice. and racing. Okay. So just saying, you know, this could be a topic. So the question is, and actually now I have to ask two questions. The first one, which I forgot, was how did you even learn about this, right? You must have gone to docs.microsoft.com, but but were there videos? Were there... No, it's supposed to be a plug. Go to docs.microsoft.com. Everything is there. Seriously, how did you even get started? And you certainly didn't get started when, you know, this is a year or so, right? So... Things must have not been as good as they are now, I think. Well, yeah, and they've changed a lot since I first started it. Certainly the docs are pretty good. I probably watched some videos and things like that. I binged it or I Googled it with Bing. I don't Bing (laughs) anything. I don't Bing it either. I Googled I like to, I feel like in this building, I have to say Bing. Yes, yes, we're in the heart of the Microsoft. Uh, Yeah, no, Googling things. I don't remember specifically because it's been a while since how I started, but just taking advantage of, you know, the community and and blog posts and things like that. It was pretty new when I was starting. And so you'd find people saying, I tried this, I tried that, what worked and what didn't. And just hacking at it. I mean, I was lucky that I I wasn't doing it with like a time constraint at the beginning, you know. So. Rich has a difference in how he interacts with our customers. You know, I work with right now one really big customer. I mentioned them, Bentley. Andy works for a customer, unnamed at this point, apparently. But Rich, you must have like a cavalcade of customers that come in here. And how are they taking to things like cognitive services and stuff? Are they coming to you or are they just interested? I know you do pitches and stuff around it, right? Yeah. So what's great about why you mentioned earlier, you do a lot of traveling and do those kind of things. I'm lucky that I get to come to the office every day and the customers come here for those discussions. So my travel is a, is a little more streamlined in that effect. But when we start talking about bots and cognitive, that's one of the big discussion points still for us where you know customers are interested in using bots as kind of taking on some of the work that people might be doing on a phone and using that conversational interface as a way yeah. to, to start that, to be that first layer of interaction with their customers or their employees. So for us, it's been great. Just about a month ago, we did a really awesome hackathon for a couple of days with a local customer around building bots to solve some of their business problems. And it wasn't just the simple little customer service kind of questions. There were some really deep, interesting problems that they were addressing. Excellent. So, very cool. 
Excellent. For Andy, uh, bring us home. Tell me what your next adventure in Azure is. What are you playing with now? I know it's Azure DevOps, but are, are there other things? It's like you said, Azure DevOps. And next is uh, Service Bus and Integrations. I guess they're called yeah. Azure Integration. What's the full name of that thing? It's like the, the, well, the, all the event-based architecture event-based based yep. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Working on that. And then we're basically going to start going you know, team by team at my office and just migrating things to Azure. And, and I think we're like a year at least of doing that. Apparently, you're doing a massive amount of work. It's crazy. Well, yeah. I'm going to be at Build uh, next week and I'm going to be recording a, another podcast with my buddy, uh, David Barkle. And it's going to be all about everything eventing and service bus and stuff. So awesome. be sure to check it out. This is my awesome. first pre-plug on the podcast. Nice. I'm, very pre- <laughs> I'm very happy myself. We'll see if I screw it up and it doesn't happen. But anyway, I'm really, really pleased to be joined by by Rich Ross and Andy Schwamm, or as we like to call him, Schwami. By the way, he has an awesome, awesome, it wouldn't be an avatar, right? It's like a caricature, which, you know, whenever I'd have a headshot, you have an awesome line drawing, right? Thanks. You well, actually, I just changed it. Did you? Yeah. Oh my God. You like it. I had, that was a caricature from some holiday party from like 30 years ago that I had on paper and scanned it. <laughs> now I have uh, David Neal, who's um, another Microsoft MVP, did a drawing for me. Oh. And I just upgraded it. And it's really professional. It's really cool. Oh, yeah. I don't so know. I don't out. know how I'll approve of that. We really love the <laughs> previous check one. It out. So anyway, thank you both. This has been the Azure Ability Podcast. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Google Play, what, whatever. And thank you very much. You've been listening to Azure Ability, a podcast for everyone interested in the art and science of developing solutions for the Microsoft Azure platform. Be sure to visit our website, azureability.com, for show notes, helpful links, and other episodes. We'd also love to receive your questions and comments. On behalf of your host, Lewis Berman, and the many friends of the podcast, thanks for listening.